1: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. The rate of hospitalization stemming from COVID-19 statewide appears to be slowing down. Governor Gavin Newsom said at a briefing yesterday that since the week after Christmas, hospital admissions for people with COVID-19 have risen, but only by 6%. And
0: that's among the smallest increases we've seen over a two-week period in some time. It's just a point of some optimism, a little bit of light.
1: But Newsom says it's too early to tell if California avoided the worst of a holiday surge. Death rates related to coronavirus are still setting records and the rate of tests coming back positive remains high. The Inland Empire, Los Angeles, and the Central Valley continue to be major hotspots. An update on stay at home orders is expected today, but the governor says those regions and the Bay Area are unlikely to see orders lifted anytime soon. Well, as coronavirus vaccines continue to arrive in the state, some regions are starting to move from an emphasis on COVID testing to campaigns focused on administering those vaccines. The California Report's Saul Gonzalez has more on how that shift is playing out in L.A.
0: Saul? Lily, for months, coronavirus testing in Los Angeles has been synonymous with the enormous parking lot at Dodger Stadium. Since May of last year, more than a million L.A. residents have been tested at the drive through facility, sometimes waiting in hours-long lines. But COVID testing at Dodger Stadium ended yesterday, as L.A. transitions to more of an emphasis on the distribution of coronavirus vaccines. A vaccination center will soon be set up the stadium, where it's hoped 12,000 people a day will be able to get a shot when the facility is fully operational. L.A. County health authorities acknowledge that the shift from testing to vaccination will mean a reduction in testing capacity for the region, but it's supposed to triple the number of people getting vaccinated daily. As of last week, only about a third of the vaccines shipped to California have actually been administered.
1: On the Central Coast, the California Men's Colony, a state prison in San Luis Obispo, is currently suffering from one of the largest COVID-19 outbreaks in the California prison system to date. KQED's Alex Hall has more. State data show over 1,120 people incarcerated at the California men's colony have tested positive for COVID-19 in the past two weeks. That's about a third of the prison's population. A spokesperson for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation said the agency is responding to the surge in cases by increasing the frequency of testing, conducting contact tracing, and using isolation and quarantine measures to slow the spread. The prison is also also testing staff at the facility twice a week with a positivity rate of 7 percent. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. We are now a week away from Inauguration Day when California's junior senator Kamala Harris will make history as the first woman to become vice president. Journalist Dan Moraine has a biography out today called Kamala's Way. Moraine is the president of the Sacramento Press Club, and he's followed Harris's career over the years. Earlier, I spoke with him about Harris's life and her path to power. And we started by discussing her victory four years ago in her race for the U.S. Senate.
2: She won on November 2016, the same night Donald Trump won. And she made clear from her acceptance speech that she was going back to Washington to fight Donald Trump. There were other Democrats around the country who suggested that that there could be compromise, that there would be a a way to accommodate Donald Trump. That was not what Kamala Harris did from day one. So she arrived in Washington in 2017, and and that's what she did. We remember her cross-examination of Donald Trump's first Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, where he he really stumbled, she befuddled him. The same happened with Brett Kavanaugh. Now it was a less even performance on Brett Kavanaugh, but you know it was kind of a classic prosecutor's question at the end. Uh, she asked him whether there was any law that governed men's bodies, and and of course there is no law that governs how men deal with men's bodies. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of an extraordinary episode, and in, in her. Ascent, you know, she was she was then almost certainly running for uh, president. She hadn't yet announced her presidential mm-hmm. campaign, but but we uh, knew but she soon. <laughs> yes, yeah, we knew. Yeah, <laughs> it was apparent that she was going to run for president.
1: As somebody who covers the state, I cover energy policy and issues surrounding some of our utilities pretty closely. And as California's junior senator, it occurred to me at times that she didn't make those state-focused issues part of her identity. Um, And she didn't really seem to make it a meaningful part of her agenda either. And I just wonder, you know, was that part of the plan in a way to really focus on building more of a national profile instead?
2: I. think there's little doubt about that you know the issues that matter to the central valley water for example she ceded those sorts of issues to uh senator feinstein uh the senior senator who spent a lot of time mired in uh, water politics in california kamala harris is as a united states senator showed little interest in water as an issue. I mean, she put her name on a bill or two, but it wasn't the focus of what she was doing. She was uh, really playing on a national stage.
1: Right. I think um, a lot of us know the broad strokes of Kamala Harris and her history, her personal history. Given the amount of time that you spent looking into her life, you know, what's an anecdote from the book that you think, you know, most of us aren't familiar with that really tells the story of who she is?
2: Well, California report listeners should, should know that that vice president elect Harris did not participate in this uh, biography at all. Nobody in her family did. None of them helped at all. So it was mm. all based on the public record and interviews with, with people around her, not her family. Mm. Um, that said, one of the things that really struck me is is how she would interact with people uh, when the cameras weren't around. There's, I, I thought, really a touching episode, uh, an attorney in San Francisco who had been one of her classmates at UC Hastings School of Law, a fellow by the name of Matthew Davis told me. One night when she was district attorney, a friend of his, a neighbor of his who had been a supporter of Kamala Harris. For a district attorney, uh, was near death. She was at Laguna Honda Hospital in San Francisco, and he thought that it'd be nice if Kamala Harris would would send this woman, whose name was Naomi Gray, uh, a note. And instead, Kamala Harris, district attorney, dropped what she was doing and drove over to Laguna Honda, and she spent twenty minutes holding her hand and talking with her. But that was a a very human moment. It showed her empathy in a way that I'm not sure that um, people who watch her as a politician uh, were aware. I certainly was not aware. You know, I have no idea whether Joe Biden was aware of her, uh, of this sort of empathetic part of her. But, you know, it seems to me, based on what I know about Joe Biden, that this is a trait that they share, this sort of empathetic... uh, uh, piece. I found, it, hmm. I found it endearing and, and, and noteworthy and something that, yeah. that I thought maybe readers would, would uh, be interested in.
1: Yeah, it sure is. Kamala's Way is out this week by Dan Moraine. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good to have you.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me.
1: In Sacramento, a state lawmaker is moving to repeal a 40-year-old law requiring public school teachers on extended sick leave to pay for their own
0: substitutes. KQED's Julia McAvoy reports. The policy was put into the California Education Code by the legislature and the governor back in the 1970s.
3: So if you are a teacher and you are out on leave to fight cancer, to have a child, to take care of any medical emergency, you have to pay for the cost of your substitute out of your own pay.
0: Senator Connie Leva says this is wrong, and her bill, called the Protect School Employees and Medical Leave Act, would make sure school employees could continue receiving their full pay while on extended leave. Over the years, districts and unions across the state have come up with sick leave donation banks as a kind of workaround to help teachers in dire situations, still forcing instructors to use up paid leave days before they can accept donated days. For the California report... I'm Julia McAvoy. In Silicon Valley, Facebook is trying to
1: manage the fallout from its suspension of President Trump's account and its crackdown on content falsely claiming that Trump actually won the election. Now, the company has a warning for employees. Alex Heath is a reporter with the website The Information. He joins us now. Welcome.
3: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming on the show. So walk us through exactly what Facebook is telling employees to do and and not to do.
3: Sure. We obtained a memo that Facebook sent to its more than 56,000 full-time employees on Monday from its security team advising them that in light of recent events, employees are advised to not wear company-branded clothing or swag items in public and it's pretty obvious what those recent events are, the company, for the first time, um, suspended Trump's ability to post indefinitely last week following the events in the Capitol and on Monday, the same day this memo was sent, also said it would further crack down on Stop the Steal, uh, a movement among Trump supporters that has really flourished on Facebook in the last couple months.
1: Mm -hmm. And Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg spoke with Reuters yesterday on the role that the company has played in last week's siege at the Capitol. Let's play a clip. Our enforcement's never perfect, so I'm sure there were still things on Facebook. I think these events were largely organized on platforms that don't have our abilities to stop hate and don't have our standards and don't have our transparency. But certainly to this day, we are working to find any single mention that might be leading to this and making sure we get it down as quickly as possible. And Sandberg is getting some criticism for basically downplaying Facebook's role there. But we know that far-right extremists are on the platform and they're using it to organize. What kind of reaction are you hearing about Facebook's posturing right now?
3: Well, I talk a lot to employees at the company, kind of all up and down the company. And a lot of them, especially more of the rank and file, actually push the company internally to be more aggressive on this content. And Trump in particular, Trump's account and his use of Facebook, which really mirrors his use of Twitter, he posts the same things um, on both sites, has really irked a lot of employees who think that he's violating the company's own policies, specifically regarding hate speech and incitement to violence. And I saw internal messages in the hours before Facebook decided to ban his ability to post, where um, employees were essentially just piling on, hundreds of them calling on, on CEO Mark Zuckerberg to to ban him permanently and to follow in Twitter's footsteps there.
1: Right. And put this in context for us. Facebook is not the only tech company that feels like it is now under threat from some of these extremist groups, Right.
3: Well, Amazon sent a notice to employees over the weekend in its web services division after that division suspended access to Parler, this alt-right, far-right social network that's essentially been deplatformed off the Internet. And there were messages on Parler after the CEO said that this was happening where users of Parler were threatening violence at Amazon data centers saying things like wouldn't it be a shame if uh, explosives were found near um, these cloud hosting facilities and so Amazon sent a notice to employees telling them to, to stay vigilant and report any suspicious activity um, and that came before Facebook's notice. Twitter also has been warning employees about um, you know if, if they face harassment you know you can contact the company, work with us, we'll help you try to deal with it. Um, there was a protest of one at Twitter's headquarters on Monday but but rumors online of of something happening meant that Twitter um, had several dozen uh, police officers there at its headquarters on Monday, just uh, in case.
1: Just in case. All right, Alex Heath, reporter with the website The Information. Thank you so much for following all of this for us. Thank you. And San Francisco-based Airbnb says it is reviewing reservations in Washington, D.C., and plans to bar guests linked to hate groups ahead of next week's presidential inauguration. This after officials in D.C. asked Airbnb and similar companies to take down their listings until inauguration day on the 20th. Airbnb is warning all guests in the nation's capital that it may sue them if they're found to be part of a hate group or planning violence. It's telling hosts to call a hotline on anyone they suspect is violating that policy. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, January 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care on the web at chcf.org Voices and Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at FlySFO.com parking. Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.
1: A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice, fulfill his oath